further analysis on what's playing itself out on that market scene, I'm joined by Vessel Ubad from Oyster Catcher Investments. Vessel, it's always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Hi, Noli. Thank you for having me. All right, Vessel. Uh, red screens in South Africa, a bit of a downer there. We're still seeing some sort of a strengthening uh, in the RAND. Let's just talk about what's making a market's move uh, locally today. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's a couple of different things globally. Uh, the, the moves in the market today aren't really that significant. If I want to put it that way, I mean, at the open, we kind of expected a roughly, a roughly flattish market when you look at how kind of China opened and so on. Um, but majority of the market kind of driven still by economic data and expectation of interest rate increases, um, i.e. looks like you might find global interest rates coming down a little bit in the future, which makes uh, SA, the, the current gap in interest rate differentials towards SA slightly more positive. And with uh, the hence the rain strengthening. Mm. Now I must ask you, Vessel, what you are anticipating from that data coming out of the US uh, this week? Here, it has been a rather bumpy picture in terms of the inflation picture in the United States. Yeah, so to try and predict these numbers on a week-to-week basis is extremely, or month-to-month basis is extremely difficult. Um, the one that is fairly predictable, I want to say, uh, in the whole inflation equation is the services number. So that's effectively where wages kind of increase and decrease. And the reason why it's a little bit more stable is if you can imagine you have a lot of companies during the year all with their different uh, year ends and so on and salary increases coming in in different times during the year. And it is a slow process to get, say, uh, a salary increase through, right? Uh, it's decided well ahead, uh, executed at a certain point, and then only implemented once a year sort of thing. Whereas a lot of the other components, uh, product inflation, price goods inflation, do change quite dramatically depending on where, say, the energy prices are or where the food prices are. So looking at the, the services component, we do expect that to stay relatively high, um, relative to where it was over the past five years. Uh, and the big thing for that is just the salary increases need to adjust for what we've seen on the, the energy inflation and the goods inflation. Um, the remaining, the, the, the other parts of that inflation move, we do expect to subside and actually some of it to be uh, coming in a little bit lower than where it was, i.e. deflationary relative to its inflation uh, impact last year. Um, so in the longer term, I think roughly 2 to 2.5% two inflation is where we expect it to come in at. Keen to get your thoughts on some company news now. Uh, transaction capital. It hasn't been a good mm. year and it looks like uh, there's a further uh, problem there in terms of the earnings we expect. And of course, a lot of that coming from we uh, from the SA taxi rather. But I think for me, what's most alarming now is the stepping down of the CEO. I'm keen to get your thoughts on that, Vessel. What can we make of that stepping down? Um, I would think on from a market's perspective, the stepping down of the CEO was fairly well expected. Uh, when you have a move as what or a issue as what transaction capital had, it does point to a certain amount of um, management, I want to say not influence, but oversight. Um, so we did expect a fair amount of restructuring going on in the business. Um, stepping down of the CEO is a portion of that, I suppose. And I do think majority of the market had those kind of expectations. Um, it, it does need to have a serious look at a couple of the structures that they got in there. The problem with the changes that implement or that came out of transaction capital or the mishaps 
were fairly large moves. Mm-hmm. So when you think about a bank, a credit loss ratio is the amount you expect, the amount of defaults that you expect per 100 rand, as an example. Mm-hmm. That number often doesn't move that much. Um, for a bank, it's a big impact if it moves from 1% to 2%. Transaction capitals jumped, almost doubling, uh, which is a big, big, big issue. So it does point towards your assumptions that you had or you made initially on how you're going to grow this business and how this business is going to evolve were fundamentally wrong. And I suppose, unfortunately, the CEO took the brunt of the blame for that. So on in terms of the management changes, I think most of the market expected that. What we are seeing is one of the co-founders coming back, taking over the business. Um, the, the biggest impact on the share price drop, I would imagine, is the market expected some form of well, the market was hopeful that we would get some form of finalization on the funding because effectively transaction capitals is a taxi business is a bank and without funding a bank doesn't have a business um, so unfortunately they, they did mention that uh, it is progressing and talks are going well but unfortunately nothing concrete and then when you look at the other parts of the business we buy cars earnings also taking a bit of a step back. We did expect that to pull back. I think most of the market did. And then um, the the other one, Gomu, a um, little bit, it seems like it's going well there. Um, and then on SA Taxi side, the other big thing there was the transaction fees. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with all the restructuring and so on going on, it does seem as though it's going to impact their earnings per share and hence. Um, and then Newton also a little bit lower growth than what they previously communicated with the market, but still good growth. I think rather just a tough time for that business right now. So let's look at Discovery now. They seem to be faring well, of course, uh, high interest rates biting slightly, uh, but I think a solid business. And I think what's interesting with Discovery is that it is growing quite slowly um, and organically, but I think that's what might make it a safe bet right now. Yeah, when you when you normalize out for the interest rate impact on the business, the growth was actually very very strong, mm-hmm. and I think that's what they try to show with their HEPs versus normalized HEPs. Um, the aggressive move that we've seen in interest rates globally over the past call it two years doesn't happen every year, right? Um, normally you have a gradual increase and steep decrease and then gradual increase again in interest rates. With the aggressive increase in interest rates, it did disrupt certain parts of their business and more on the accounting side, I want to say. So with them, when you look at the, the HEPs guidance, I think it's about 3 to 8% growth. When you look at the normalized HEPs guidance, it is 30 to 35% growth. So meaning the underlying business, all else equal, is actually in quite a strong position. Now there are some nuances to that in the Vitality Global business, which shows the strongest growth and um, there is some uh, recovery in the investment from from ping on um, but also they did mention that the underlying operations are performing very strongly so we'll have to wait for the for the results to come out to uh, completely tear it apart but it does seem to be doing quite well uh, in essay they mentioned discovery banks doing very well um, in the uk profit boosted from um, operating variances we'll have to see to what extent because that is I want to say a bit of a number that you can um, use to smooth profits where need be. So we'll have to see where that comes in. But all in all, it does seem to be quite strong. Now, I'm keen to get your stock pick in a bit, Vessel. But first, let's reflect on some counters that have found favor with your industry peers. I'm going to go with African Rainbow Capital. Um, small cap, reasonably small cap, about 8 billion rand. Um, you know, really interesting underlying portfolio, um, quite a lot of excitement. We like the financial services portfolio and this thing trades 
at a big discount. So I think, you know, once the, the results are out and everybody knows what's going on, my sense is they'll be buying back. So I think there's a window of opportunity. Having said that, though, it's very, very illiquid. I mean, you yeah. know, today something like 60,000 shares traded. So please don't rush out and go and lift the offers at, at 5.96 tomorrow morning. You can be patient. Just sit on the bid. And I think you'll get your stock quite cheaply. But try and do it before uh, before everything's out in, in the okay. domain. I'm calling Richmond as a buyer. It's it's pulled back about 28% from its high. And when you see these higher quality businesses give you a proper uh, healthy pullback. Um, and if you're thinking about building a portfolio, these are absolutely, you know, blue chip quality. You want to be nibbling on a pullback. You don't want to worry about timing or valuation. It's come down to reasonable levels um, and it's a quality rand hedge. Um, you, you can go a lot further wrong than buying Richemont. It's going to be Louis Vuitton. Um, with all the worries about global growth showing, especially in Europe, you know, we've seen um, GDP forecasts decline. Um, the luxury goods sector really has come off. Um, Louis Vuitton itself is trading, I think, pretty much where it was at the beginning of the year. So all of the growth this year has been wiped out. It was a very good company, very good opportunity to start to buy into these things. You know, the rich do not die. Um, they do not go away, and even when global growth is tepid, mm. you know, they still spend money. That tailwind that one expected from the China reopening has not has not occurred, but Chinese tourists are actually starting to venture out again quite um, um, in, in, in quite numbers, and that's good for these types of companies. These luxury stocks, they tend to be very resilient over the medium long term. So just remember um, the type of people who spend money on their goods are investors and they benefit from higher interest rates because they, they get more money. So very rarely do you get an opportunity to actually buy into that luxury sector as a whole. But I think Louis Vuitton definitely might pick um, quality brands, phenomenal management, and it's just gobbling up a lot of competitors every so often. So a nice opportunity now to add to your stable. All right, Vessel, um, two luxury counters there, Richmond and LVMH, as well as African Rainbow Capital. What do you make at some of these ones? Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at the luxury space, I think luxury space in, in hard currency terms, kind of euro terms or Swiss franc terms, depending on how you want to look at them, um, have taken an absolute beating. I think they're down about 30% from the highs. Uh, now, these stocks weren't particularly cheap, but their earnings growth actually kept up with with a large portion of the share price move. So when it pulled back, it actually meant that your EV EBITDA multiples came back quite quite nicely as well. And when you look at a longer term chart for for Richmond as an example, um, your EV EBITDA sits at around 9.8-ish, call it 10. Um, and historically, when you look at that level, it's a very good time to buy Richmond. So I do think there are some impacts that are still going to come through in that space. You are seeing the, the results out of the US is off a very high base. So for you to grow off that very, very high base is already challenging. And it does seem as though there's some macro softening um, on that side. Uh, China's not bouncing back as aggressively ex- as expected. And Europe is there or thereabouts, but the growth is does seem to be slowing a little bit. So I don't think you get this aggressive growth um, and maybe you get a bit of a pullback, but over the long term, when you take a three, four year view, it does seem to be quite a nice entry point into the space. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about African rainbow, but I'd prefer, <laughs> I'd prefer Richmond.
got you. Uh, let's talk about your stock pick for today, Vessel. Yeah, so I actually also picked Richmond. Uh, it was a very tight call between Richmond and British American Tobacco. Um, it is, both of them are around hedges. We do have some concerns on the fiscus and the funding of the South African government and finances. Uh, it does concern us that some of the foreigners might also start looking at those. So from that perspective, you prefer Rand Hedge. Uh, BTI, the share price has also come back quite a lot, and it's a fairly stable business historically. We are just waiting for a mental ban out of the U.S. I think post that, it should be a slightly better buying opportunity. Um, so from that perspective, I think Richmond has already had majority of its pullback. And when you just look at the earnings, it is fairly attractive on a valuation base with very little debt, um, very level-headed management team. They haven't taken pricing up too aggressively relative to a lot of what their peers have done. Um, so when you, there's always a ratio that they look at how many Louis Vuitton bags you can buy relative to a, to a, <laughs> a, jewel, a piece of jewelry or watch. Um, and that means that uh, Richmond's actually become slightly more affordable relative to the, uh, in, on those metrics. So I think Richmond um, is the preferred pick. Well, Vessel, it's always a pleasure catching up with you and getting your thoughts and insights. Thank you for being with us today. And that was your Midday Markets Update with Vessel Ubad from Oyster Catcher Investments.